August 3rd, Peter, wow. that's also known as the day after the trade deadline. Whew, we're recording this on the evening of August 2nd. It was so much fun. I, we're not even general managers and we're drained just trying to keep up with what all the general managers were doing. I don't know if you did, but I forgot about food and water basically the whole day. And after we finished our stream on YouTube and we were streaming on TikTok, you know, our guys, you know, Elijah, Ethan, Ryan, Cole. I mean, so many people over here at Just Baseball updating the website nonstop. And we're going to go over all the moves from the website. But man, I almost collapse afterwards <laughs> realizing, wait a minute, I have an eight. I don't think I've had a full glass of water all day. But man, what a day. It was so fun. It was we were just stimulated at all times. It was it, it, what was nice was yesterday was like the appetizer, right? It started to heat up in the afternoon. Jack and I tackled a lot of what went down on yesterday's kind of appetizer to the deadline. But today was nuts. And Juan Soto, we knew, was the big domino that needed to fall before everything else started to fall into place. But it was up until the buzzer or really after the buzzer that we had several other trades go in. We're going to try to hit on every single trade if we can. We'll probably miss some minor moves here and there. We might not give the Luke Weaver trade as much time. Uh, but the crazy thing is on yesterday's podcast, you literally did give it some time. So <laughs> that that's how crazy we are. We're saying that we're not going to go over all the minor moves, but you know we're going to sneak them in here because we have a storyline with each, most likely. Like yeah. Luke Weaver, Paul Goldschmidt trade. Remember that? Yeah, which is crazy. Uh, that guy did not pan out the way I think we we thought he would, nor the Diamondbacks thought. And, of course, the Royals go out and get another arm. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about Juan Soto, but I think we got to start with, with your guy, Robbie Grossman. Uh, who, who heads over to the Braves. And it's so funny because we were talking about it from this perspective. Who is going to be the player that gets acquired that does what the Braves pieces did last year? Didn't necessarily have to be a guy to the Braves, but we were using the example of Soler uh, and the example of Rosario and how the Braves were able to kind of pick up guys that got hot at the right time. You identified Robbie Grossman and funny enough, Robbie Grossman ends up being the guy that the Braves bring into town. Definitely a big help with Adam Duvall out for season and with Rosario seeming like he just is not right after coming back from a couple of different injuries and dealing with an eye issue as well. So hoping he gets better, uh, but Grossman, a very, very good pickup for them. In 2021, there were five players who had 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and a walk rate over 10%. Robbie Grossman was one of those five, along with Shohei Otani, Fernando Tatis Jr., Jose Ramirez, and I forget the fourth, but he's probably was good. He was probably, probably good. pretty good <laughs> type of company that Robbie Grossman was in. Now, Robbie Grossman is not going to give you that level of production, and he has not shown that level of production again this year. But remember, 
Eddie Rosario was not that good before he came over to the Braves. Yeah. Jorge Soler, I felt like, was striking out at a 40% rate before he went over to the Braves. And then Eddie Rosario becomes the NLCS MVP, followed suit by Jorge Soler, who becomes the World Series MVP. I believe that was the most underrated deal at the deadline. They didn't give up much, and they got a guy who has that level of potential. And it's not just that Robbie Grossman hasn't been playing that well this season. We're going to talk about the Tigers a little bit farther in this episode. And right now, it seems like the Tigers' woes is organizationally, right? Nobody in their lineup is playing well. Not one. So you go through it and you think maybe a change of scenery can get a Robbie Grossman back to at least close to that level of potential he showed last year, that level of production. I really like the move for the Braves. Adds a ton of depth there. He's not going to wow you on the base pass. He's not going to wow you in the outfield either, but he's going to give you consistent good at bats and come playoff time, I think he's going to be I think he's going to make a difference there in Atlanta. I love the move there for the Braves. And it makes sense, right? You feel like they're the kings of finding the diamonds in the rough at some of these points. And I believe they found one in Robbie Grossman. Oh, you talk about the the struggles in Detroit. I mean, it's it's from the veterans. It's from guys that we were expecting to make big leaps from Heimer Condelario to Spencer Torkelson to even Riley Green, uh, you know, who has slowed down a little bit since getting up there. Javi Baez, the big prize free agent. Everyone has struggled. So I think getting out of there is definitely something that should help. And of course, we know it's a difficult place to hit. The Braves also add Jake Odorizzi, which I think is an underrated pitching depth kind of acquisition as well. They swap him for Will Smith. That's some reliever help for the Astros as well. Uh, two contending teams in opposite leagues help each other. Uh, and I think that's that's a low-key move that could be quite helpful. Uh, do you want to go straight into Soto or kind of stick with the smaller moves and, and save Soto for last? Let's Let's save it a little bit because that was an interesting move there too because they did give up Will Smith for Jake Odorizzi in that deal. But then they got Rossiel Iglesias. We might as well just cover this team now yeah. because these were some very interesting moves here by Alex Anthopoulos, who seems to just have it up here. Oh, he went over the Austin Riley extension. I mean, great deal for both sides. And another one, Will Smith is a good reliever, but I would say they upgraded there with Rossell Iglesias. And then they get a guy like Jake Odorizzi, who's probably not going to pitch you know, game four of the of the World Series, but you never know, right? Because Tucker Davidson even had to slot in in game five as the starter. Jake Odorizzi has been there, done that. He's a good addition. Then they upgrade in the bullpen. Braves didn't have a super exciting deadline. They didn't need but to. But a very good one, yeah. I thought. No, I agree. They didn't need to do anything crazy. Team's really good. They already made their biggest addition they needed internally, which was calling up Michael Harrison and having him perform. Uh, Strider is kind of satisfied a need for them. They only needed to make some of those small moves. Odorizzi is really going to help them in the regular season, too. You talk about him not taking the ball in a, in a game four of, of the World Series. I agree. But that's a guy that can eat innings, you know, in, in relief spots or, you know, if you have to start him in the playoffs, you can. But he's going to help them get through, you know, the rest of this regular season because they've struggled a little bit with keeping the rotation together and, and at times have had some vacant spots there. Uh, I, I really like what they did with the bullpen. You assume Kenley Jansen's going to be back soon. Rizel Iglesias. I mean, there's a lot of guys you trust there. And Will Smith has struggled for them. So I think I agree. It's, it's, it's a good swap. And 
they're a better team than they were prior to the deadline. They didn't need to make any crazy moves and uh, they're going to be another threat just like they were last year. And also just the lefty righty stuff. I mean, Will Smith is a lefty. Minter's a lefty. Matzik is a lefty. They get a righty in return in Rossell Iglesias, which they didn't have a ton outside of Kenley Jansen. Just overall, Alex Anthopoulos, again, is proving he's one of the best GMs in the sport. Oh, we talked about that on the last episode. He is just spe- amazing. And and amazing. whether it's the small moves, the big moves, the extensions, the pre-arb signing, it, it's all really good stuff from Alex Anthopoulos. And I think maybe Alavila, like you talked about on the live stream, could could take a uh, a note or two or a thing or two from what Alex Anthopoulos is doing in Boston and, and Atlanta. Let's talk about the Tigers for a second, because we have a ton of big moves. Of course, we're going to get into but let's cover the Tigers for a second. I think the most disappointing team at the deadline. You might be a Cardinals fan and be disappointed in your team, too. You could be a Blue Jays fan disappointed. I'd understand if you're disappointed as a Guardians fan. And we're going to talk about White Sox. I mean, we can talk all day. But the Tigers, you have so many bullpen pieces. You have so many pieces that you could end up dealing on offense. Even starting pitching, you could have gotten rid of. Like a Michael Pineda, for example. You did really nothing. You gave away Michael Fulmer in a deal that, you know, you know, I'd throw it over to you for the prospects, but I can guess that they didn't do a very good job there. Just in hindsight, just assuming what the Tigers have been up to lately. You know, they didn't deal Chafin. They didn't deal Soto. They didn't deal Joe Jimenez. They dealt Robbie Grossman, who I believe maybe you should have kept as one of the better offensive players on your team. The Tigers... Again, we were talking on the live stream. I would never want to call for a general manager's job. Alavila, never want to call for a general manager's job. So I'm just not going to say anything. I think that leaves it at that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a little rough in Detroit. And, and they were hoping to make a big step in the right direction. That's why they signed Javi Baez. But it, it's it's not looking How's good that deal them. working? No, not good. And the prospects are not performing. And they've got a lot to figure out and a lot of overhauling, I think, to do within the system. You look at the Brewers, they subtract Josh Hader, which we talked about in the last episode. They get a good return, but it was a head scratcher because it's a first place team trading uh, an all-star closer. But they do add another reliever. We know Devin Williams is a capable closer. Although, did you see that clip of Devin Williams in, in the clubhouse? They were uh, Reporters were asking him what, what he thought about the trade. And obviously, he's, he's expected to be the, the closer now. And he didn't seem thrilled about it. He's not thrilled that he's going to be the closer. He's not thrilled. He's just upset that Josh Hader, one of the integral parts of their team has been subtracted. And I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting uh, to see. He said, I want to win. And I think that was all he really needed to say. I think it was very, it was one of those press conferences that you have to watch Devin Williams Mm -hmm. say the words. If you listen to it on the radio, it may have come off as maybe a little nonchalant, not nonchalant, but just, You know, he's not very vocal. He's not calling out anybody. He's just kind of sitting there depressed is the word. The silence was deafening. The The short silence was deafening. That is the perfect way to describe it. He's just shrugging his shoulders, thinking to himself, how could they do it? Yeah, we want to win. And and this is a guy that remember he he feels like he cost his team last postseason with with punching the wall and you know breaking his hand and I'm, I'm sure he's very keen on on winning now and and they subtract Hater they do add Matt Bush and I love Matt Bush's story obviously the former number one overall pick is a shortstop makes his way back after time in jail I mean just an unbelievable story he's been a really good reliever and he's enjoying a really good year this year. 
Brewers add him to the fold. They now have Williams, Rogers, Bush. They still have a good back end of that bullpen there. And it helps. He's not Josh Hader, but it's a good addition. Uh, and, and, you know, they didn't have to give up too much to get him. Yeah, but let's be real, Arm. Come on. What did the Brewers need to do? And what didn't they do? The Brewers needed Bats. to add a fucking bat. Yeah. And what didn't they do? Add a bat. Yeah. <sighs> I know. And we're going to talk about how the Padres, and they just didn't do it. And, I, you know, for lack of a better word, the Brewers didn't add a fucking bat. Yeah. No, that's it, all we have to say about that. All they did was add a story Ruiz who, you know, is a, is a minor leaguer at this point. He's played a little bit in the bigs long-term could be a good piece, but I think they're hoping that he can impact them now and, and do something now, which is, which is crazy. I don't know how the Brewers oh, did not a bat. It's a little bit surprising, but I will say they are sneaky. Good. If you look at runs per game better than people would have expected. Yeah. I want to rephrase one thing. I said, I, I actually said that they didn't give up that much. Let me reverse that. I was surprised that they gave up Antoine Kelly pitched in the futures game, probably a reliever long-term, but a lefty who is really nasty came back from an injury and they part with him to get a Matt Bush. So a a good get there for the Texas Rangers. We'll stay on the reliever track, Peter. Another kind of surprising, but not maybe, maybe not all striking, but we didn't know what the Orioles were going to do. They ultimately part with their closer in Jorge Lopez, an all-star this year for Four minor leaguers, Cade Povich, the headliner, and Yenier Cano, Juan Nunez, and Juan Rojas. It's a good return. Uh, it's it's four pitchers, which, again, Baltimore needs arms, and they added six arms or so at this deadline and some really good ones. I like this move for Baltimore. Of course, you want to see them go for it. They didn't burn it down, right? They, they traded Mancini, who was going to be gone probably in the offseason. They sell high on a closer. And they get six pitching prospects, which, again, they really needed. They're still a good team that, let's be real, even if they sneak in the playoffs, what are they doing there? They're trying to build sustainable success. As much as I wanted to see them go all in, I don't hate it. I do wish the Orioles got a more marquee prospect in return for Jorge Lopez. In my opinion, I don't think they need that much depth because, oh my God, do they have depth. I mean, they have one of the most vast farm systems in baseball. I look at that trade and I think to myself, are any of those guys big leaguers? You know, I so. don't know. You hope so. But I feel like in a trade for Jorge Lopez, even one marquee prospect, in my opinion, would have been better in a deal like that. If we're talking about a team like the Royals or, an, you know, another team that needs depth like that. I, mean, I don't feel that the Orioles need depth like that. They need arms here. They need arms. So they just went out and got Seth Johnson right in the Trey Mancini. Exactly. He's the third best pitching prospect now. So, you know, I think they look at it and they're like, we, we need pitching depth in this system. Let's get it while we can without depleting, you know, some of our better assets. Cause everybody else is too valuable and controllable. These are the guys that I think they're okay with parting with, but I, I don't hate it. Do you think, would you have rather them got the, like a Seth Johnson in a deal like that for a Jorge Lopez, or do you prefer they got more four lottery ticket guys where you're hoping one could be a big leaguer instead of one of the best pitching prospects for the Minnesota twins? Because I thought the Minnesota twins did really well in that deal. You know, I, I, I think I think Povich is 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 a big league arm, right? I mean, this guy's probably in their top 20, uh, put up some good numbers this year. I, 
it's tough to gauge the value on on a breakout yeah. reliever like that. So I agree. Like if they could have got one guy, absolutely, I would have had. I would have went quality over quantity. I don't know if that was an option there. That's uh, my point. It could have not been an option. I, that, that's kind of where I was. But that. I'm good with them getting arms. <laughs> just, they're they're in a situation where I'm like, if you can get arms, get freaking arms, and they did. So uh, they're still in a good spot. I think they can still make a little bit of a Orioles push. Um, and I think they might call up some other guys to, to reinforce this run here. Um, and I'm kind of excited to see how they how they decide to manage Gunnar Henderson in AAA and Jordan Westberg in AAA and Kyle Stowers in AAA. They've got a lot of prospects that could be some reinforcements uh, down the stretch here. And then on the Twins side, they did real well. Oh, I mean, yeah. getting Jorge Lopez, who is having that breakout year, who looks like a real closer, maybe not playoff type closer but at least a very very good bullpen arm and then if he can't close you get michael fulmer too so they did a great job and we can even get into tyler malley if if we want to just go straight into there yeah we should let's just do twins because yeah might as well just do twins because they get tyler malley and this was an arm at the deadline that i thought a lot of teams should be in on and a lot of teams were in on him because it was clear with tyler malley he couldn't pitch a great american which I've said it before, is basically a space station. You're basically dealing with another version of Coors Field. He's always had these crazy splits where he's pitched much better on the road. You get him out, but it seems like the prospect package they did did give up, at least going back to the Reds, was pretty sizable, but the Twins are in a good position now, especially with the other teams in their division not making it, but the prospects that went over are pretty solid, especially that young second baseman. Yeah, I mean they get they get Spencer Steer, who you know I, I I love Steer for the for the Reds, right? This is a guy with above average power, but hits so much that he produces a lot of home runs and has hit over twenty home runs already this season. I love guys like that. John India was kind of in that same ballpark where it's above average power, but will really play up at Great American. He's also again close to big league ready, and then they get Christian Encarnacion Strand, who. Holy crap, does he have power? 25 pumps this year. He hit one 484. He has nine home runs, 420 feet or further. And then Steven Hadger, who is Michigan guy, really has looked good, left-handed pitcher. All guys that the Twins are okay with parting with, right? Like none of those guys are elite, elite prospects for them. Steers kind of blocked with the emergence of Miranda with the other guys that they have. It's a perfect trade for both sides. Red system is now clear cut top three, in my opinion. Uh, and they get somebody that can help the big league team as soon as this year, probably for sure next year. I'm sure he'll get called up before the end of the season. But man, do the twins, they really separated themselves. We talk about the guardians didn't do anything. The twins, you mentioned the relievers. They get the starter. They didn't really need any bats. They're fine. Oh, yeah, they Jose rate. Miranda's going nuclear right now. That's all they really needed to do, and they shore up kind of all the questions that we had for them. What what do you think the Twins are at now? I mean, I think they're going to easily win the division because the Guardians were were asleep at the wheel. But where do you think they stack up with some of the best teams in the AL? They're obviously not there with the Yankees and the Astros, but they made themselves a lot better, and I think they've got a shot to, to make some noise. My problem with the Twins is I didn't really believe in their pitching, both in the starting rotation and in the bullpen. What did they do? Address both needs. Now in the bullpen, they look really strong. Starting rotation, Tyler Malley is, like I said, a good pickup there. But still looking at this rotation, I'm not totally sold to the fact where I'm going to put them with the Yankees and the Astros, like we said. I still do think that the Blue Jays are better. I think the Mariners separated themselves. But besides that, 
They're right there with the Rays. And I do think that they're going to win the division now and that they're going to make it a tough series against a team like the Mariners, because I still do think they have a better offense than the Mariners do with the Blue Jays. You know, that one might be tough. The Blue Jays might be better than them. I'd probably say that they are, but still the twins went from, Oh yeah, they're an exit first round to no, they're going to compete in the playoffs. I, I agree. You know, when, when you go from pitching, Dylan Bundy in game three to Tyler Malley or, you know, Joe Ryan, however you want to stack it up. That's yeah, a big so difference. Right. It's yeah. a big, big, big difference. So I'm really excited about what's happening with the twins. And again, it's just better for baseball when teams like Minnesota teams like Seattle, uh, yeah. ple- I wish Cleveland would have lent for it are, are trying to put themselves in that same conversation and make themselves competitive. The, the best part about the offense too is, I love the balance. You have a bat to ball guy like Arias. You have a big time, big bopper like Byron Buxton, who's dynamic. And then Correa, I still really think is going to get going here down the stretch. And we know he's one of the best postseason players already ever, which is crazy. Given how many games he's played, he's been one of the best postseason players we've seen. By the time he's done playing, he will be one of the all-time leaders in almost every postseason statistic for shortstops. He'll be there with Derek Jeter, I think, because he's going to continue to get there. And now the Twins... Look very serious. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what their long-term plan is with him and what he ultimately does. But right now the twins are going for it. And I think they're trying to convince him to stay. So Juan Soto time. It's Juan Soto time. <clears throat> I mean, we said it. We thought Preller was going to do it. He does it. It was a haul. It was a pretty penny. It sounded like the, the Cardinals were down to the wire as well. So were the Dodgers. Cardinals didn't want to part with the top prospects and Dylan Carlson. Say what you want about that. The Padres were willing to, to do whatever it took. And the full trade breakdown is, is pretty wild. And it's almost exactly what everybody thought it would be, though, which is the funny part. Give or take, you know, a couple, maybe different guys here or there. But it's pretty wild that it was basically exactly what we thought it would be with all of the pieces. It's headlined by C.J. Abrams. Mackenzie Gore, Robert Hassel III, James Wood, Harlan Susana, and then also Luke Voigt. We've never seen a prospect and, and, and just overall return like that for a player. Obviously, Josh Bell included in that too, but we've never seen a return like that in baseball history. The biggest trade in baseball history. I've heard, you know, you could talk about the Ruth trade, but that was a sale at the end of the day. That was Babe Ruth being sold to the Yankees for about $100,000 in order to get a theater production off the ground, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> you could go through history and find the Miguel Cabrera trade in 2006. You could find a lot of other trades like that. But this is trading for a young Hank Aaron. This is trading for a young Juan Soto. This is a player on the trajectory towards the Hall of Fame. And Aram, I'm going to rant here for a second because I'm kind of pissed off at the Nationals. Why? I think they got fleeced. Dude. Not fleeced. Of course not fleeced. But I do think that you could have gotten all of those different prospects for Juan Soto by himself. I say, why Nationals? Because they included then Josh Bell in the deal also. And I feel that they could have put Josh Bell in another package in order to get more prospects in the deal. Like, do you think that the Padres, if Mike Rizzo, the GM of the Nationals said, we want Gore, 
Abrams, Wood, Hassel for Juan Soto, would they have said no? Probably not. Then you could have gotten another top 100 prospect, maybe even a top 50 prospect for a guy like Josh Bell. I know he's a rental, but he's still one of the best switch hitters in the entire sport. We saw what was being floated for Wilson Contreras. Like Josh Bell has been, if not better of a hitter than Wilson Contreras. I was sitting here thinking, why, why, why? Because they added Josh Bell on top of it. Was it an enormous package? Yes, but I thought the Padres easily won this deal. I well, I mean, anytime you get a hall, a guy that's good looking like a Hall of Famer, you're going to win the deal. But you know, I don't think Josh Bell gets you that crazy of a return. I, he's good, but it, Wilson Contreras is a catcher. Josh Bell is first base slash DH. I. He probably gets you maybe one fringe top 100 guy. I I really don't think he gets you that much. Look at J.D. Martinez. He doesn't end up getting moved because they feel like the the competitive balance pick that they're going to get basically for the QO, for the qualifying offers better. I I think they made out great. I I don't know how you could ever get more than this. Uh, Sure, if you separate Bell... You know, you can maybe squeeze out another prospect, but they also get Luke Voigt. And I know Luke Voigt's not the sexiest player in the world, but he's under control until, what, 2025? So they could flip him down the line as well. But does he factor much into the plans either? I I guess I'm under the assumption that I thought Josh Bell would get more of a return than a fringe top 100. Because I think, I mean, we talked about top switch hitters in baseball. And he was number two. I mean, he's hitting over 300. He seems to be a force in the lineup. He's going to hit fourth for the Padres. I think he's going to be a great addition for them too. Like Josh Bell is a clear upgrade over Luke Voigt. And I just thought that you could have gotten that package for Soto by himself. And that if Mike Rizzo really wanted to trade Josh Bell, that he'd probably get a top 75 type prospect for Josh Bell. I think there's a reason why we didn't say CJD CJD moved or Contreras moved or Hat moved. I I don't know. I I just I think there's the return was not maybe as as I high think as Josh Bell's been. better than all of them right now as a bat. Then JD Martinez. JD Martinez is swinging hurt right now. He has really kind of fallen quickly. You know, he was in 340 a little while ago, and it seems like he hasn't really been able to hit at all lately. I you know. You know, we've been talking to Red Sox guys, too. You know, we hold our Twitter space and we have um, a lot of Red Sox fans. And it's like, I want to take J.D. Martinez basis because I think he's going to break out of it. And I'm just consistently told from Red Sox fans, don't do it, dude. Like, don't don't do it. He is swinging hurt and he does not look like the same guy. And Josh Bell is is probably the worst space runner in baseball, at least by the numbers he is. But I think that he's he was a better bat than Wilson Contreras, at least right now. And I think he's a better bat than J.D. Martinez is right now. Josh Bell is one of the better hitters in the National League this season. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been solid. But again, it, it's a DH, so he's limited. I, again, but th- that's also, for the most part, I think splitting hairs because you're getting what is the biggest return in baseball history. So you're getting a, a controllable young starter in Mackenzie Gore. You're getting a top 25 prospect in Robert Hassel. You're getting a top 10 prospect in TJ Abrams. You're getting a top 50 or 60 prospect in James Wood, a quality prospect in Harlan Susana, and then Luke Voigt, who you could probably flip for, you know, a mid-level prospect down the line. I I don't know how you could do much better than that, honestly. Yes. I, I The Nationals, I mean, they didn't, 
they didn't get fleeced. I, I said that as more of for dramatic effect, but it's just because I was pretty emotional after seeing the trade because we both know this too, that normally in baseball, you can count on one hand the trades where you traded away a super, superstar, got back a big pile of prospects, and it ended up not working out for the team that got the big super, superstar. That's, I guess, where I'm coming from, too. Well, and then you added Josh Bell on top of it. But what would have been a return that was that would suffice? I mean, we don't know all of the returns. That's the thing. Like, you know, if the Cardinals were didn't want to trade Jordan Walker, that was clear because they believe that, you know, he could be the next Aaron Judge. But it, I don't know what the rest of the packages were. Like, for example, from the Dodgers, if they got a Gavin Lux... And, you know, four of their top prospects, you know, Bobby Miller, Michael Bush, Miguel Vargas. Um, I like this package better. Okay. You know, I trust you. I, I'm just saying that 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 felt like to me, at least with a CJ Abrams, he could be he could be end up being much better than a Gavin Lux. But it's, you know, Gavin Lux was the number two overall prospect for a little while and seems to be no, he's been figuring it out in L.A. And CJ Abrams just doesn't look completely ready yet. And Mackenzie Gore has just been dealing with shoulder stuff. And it's worrisome because he has looked elite and can be elite. But I'm looking at him coming over to Washington like I hope they can then, you know, kind of fix him around and and hopefully they make him good. But it's not like they've been that great with pitching development lately either. I, You know, with James Wood is still far off. Um, and Robert Hassel, I do think is going to be good. Like, clearly, I think he's going to be good too. But, you know, I just think that the Nationals are, yeah, the Nationals weirdly could have done better in this deal. And they gave up Josh Bell. Because if, if that was the package just for Juan Soto, very big trade, good all around. But the thing is, for me, throwing in Josh Bell, I feel like he has more value than maybe you think. And maybe we just might disagree on that. Yeah, again, I, I it's it's tough with the DH guys. You know, teams are weird about it, but I agree. I mean, he's, he's well, there's an awesome a DH piece. in all leagues now. I agree, I but I, it's weird. JD doesn't get traded. Like, why? Why not? I I I think when you look at the ultimate, like the return in general, it's one of those things where you're never going to get the value for Juan Soto. You're never, it's just never going to happen. That's the thing. So it's, why you're going to lose. When, when you trade Juan Soto, it's a guaranteed loss almost. Unless these guys all reach their, their absolute ceiling. And I know James Wood's ceiling is, is Crazy. legit Aaron judge, but he Crazy. is so far off from that. Like there's so many things that can happen. You're, you're taking your best shot. And, and I'd assume that the nationals took the best offer and, uh, I just, I just floored that the the Padres again make that move. Let's talk about the Padres real quick from that lens, and then I want to talk Joey Gallo real quick. The Padres now they become freakish. Um, yes. It's insane what they are now. Uh, that three four five two three four whatever it's going to be of Soto Tatis Machado and now Josh Bell even. I mean that stacks up with just about anybody in baseball. They're unbelievable. Now, they're probably still going to be a wild card team. And the getting Fernando Tatis Jr. back and healthy and looking like Fernando Tatis Jr. is also huge for them. 
But if you look, and now they have Josh Hader closing games for them, and in the playoffs, he's going to be used a ton. And who else do you want besides Josh Hader? Maybe Edwin Diaz right now. But over the past couple of years, Josh Hader has been that guy. And still in the back end, that's who you want. But you work in now with, you know, Joe Musgrove and you Darvish and Blake Snell. And then you have Josh Hader in the back end and with the one, two, three, four of Fernando Tashis Jr., Juan Soto, Manny Machado, then Josh Bell. It's hard to beat. And, you know, I was saying Cardinals versus Padres. Who would you rather want? And this was obviously before the deadline. But now, I mean, it's is it even close? <laughs> it's not even close. Padres just blew them away. And the Cardinals had more of a lackluster deadline. I mean, they didn't do bad, but they definitely didn't separate themselves. And now the Padres put themselves right there with the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers and the Mets and the Braves as one of the premier teams who can definitely win a World Series. Absolutely. And we'll get to the Cardinals in a second because they did make some lower key moves and a familiar face for you is heading over to, to St. Louis. Uh, but real quick, uh, a, a familiar face is heading out. Joey Gallo. We knew it was happening. Um, you know, I was reading some stories, uh, uh, interviews with Joey Gallo, and, and they made me sad, Peter. Yeah. I mean, you, you you have been very fair. So I'm not when I mention Yankees fans, it says nothing to do with you. But, you know, I think we really lose touch with the human side of things. And Joey Gallo saying, and I'm paraphrasing, but saying that he doesn't really leave his home or his apartment in New York because he doesn't want to be seen on the streets and he's embarrassed and he feels, you know, he's he's more upset than any Yankee fan is about what's going on. You get mad at Joey Gallo after watching the game and you go on with your life. Joey Gallo has got to live that struggle and feel that struggle day to day. And I know he's making a lot of money to play a kid's game, but it is overwhelming when you have an entire city, you know, and the, the big apple you know, on your back. I'm excited for Joey Gallo to get another chance. I'm rooting for him and I hope he does well. Uh, but uh, from a trade perspective, Yankees get a good arm. Clayton Beater's electric, big swing and miss stuff, walks a lot of guys, probably a reliever. But I mean, I'm just, it's good to see the Yankees get an arm back because they did trade a lot of arms out over the last couple of days. And the way they've developed guys, Beater could be similar to the way they've been able to maybe hone in Medina's command a little bit. Maybe they can do it with Beater. If not, they've got, oh, why is a good type of reliever? I think he could be in short spurts. I was almost thinking he's kind of like a Ron Martinacho yeah. type of reliever. That's that's kind of how I was phrasing it, um, you know, on TikTok Live. I was like, who's this Clayton Beater guy? And I said, just think Ron Martinacho. That's kind of the guy that you got back. Maybe a younger version. Maybe he won't be as good because Martinacho's stuff. He's a freak show. Fucking believable. <laughs> he's a Maybe freak Eliza is a better kind of guy like that maybe you know Loisica started for a little bit but just didn't have the command couldn't hold the velo maybe that's a Clayton beater maybe his velo even ticks up as more of just a dominant bullpen arm and yes Joey Gallo is gone he's not a Yankee anymore and Yankee fans are probably happy about that and Joey Gallo is probably happy yep, about exactly. that and but at the same time he goes to Los Angeles. Yeah, it's not that much easier of a market. I was thinking about not that. Not really. And they're going to be in big time spots too. I mean, Joey Gallo was great on the Rangers. If Joey Gallo went to a team that probably won't make the playoffs, you'd probably see Joey Gallo return. Or even Milwaukee. Or even Milwaukee, a team like that. Even the Twins. Yeah. But he goes right back into the thick of it 
across the country with fans who are not just forgiving. I mean, as, as much as chill L.A. is, it's not that chill when you see 50,000 fans packed every single night expecting greatness. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how Gallo does, but it's also the Dodgers. Yeah. The Dodgers who can unlock anybody. I mean, the Yankees have been able to unlock basically everybody. Matt Carpenter has as many home runs as Freddie Freeman. That stat in itself is it's nuts. nuts. But but a change of scenery, new new set of eyes, new new ideology and hitting yes. coaches. And, and like, let's be real. Joey Gallo has always been a swing and miss guy, but Joey Gallo has proven that he is a competent big league power hitter. And that's still in there. He's not 36 slowing down. There's just, there's something off mentally. And I think just change of scenery will help. And I think a little bit less responsibility. I don't think he's going to be playing every single day and expected to do uh, what the Yankees were expecting him to do in the, in the early going. I know his role was diminished, but at that point it's, it's still, you're in the same spot and you're trying to fight back to what you were supposed to do. I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do with the Dodgers. It's a low risk acquisition for them and hopefully you know the defense will kind of tick back up again and he can at least provide some value there but really a no-brainer move for both sides and I think both sides are better off after the trade so uh does not hurt for either team you want to get to the Cardinals get to the Cardinals before we just get to the Cardinals I do want to just quickly wrap up on the Soto thing because I feel like we we were we were ending and I I didn't ask you this follow-up question like do you think that the Nationals did as much as they could and that not that they they didn't lose the trade i guess do you think the padres won the trade like what's your take back because of course they got back the biggest prospect package of all time and as they should have i'm just thinking to myself i feel like they could have even gotten more in this deal because james wood is such a lottery ticket could be aaron judge could never make the majors. We don't know yet. And with all the question marks, I guess, surrounding Mackenzie Gore, I just thought to myself, I feel like the Padres definitely won this deal. But maybe to you, you feel like it was more even-sided than I do because we have different opinions, and that's cool. That's fun. I think anytime you trade a Hall of Famer, <laughs> you're going to lose the trade. I, I, I think that, you know, the the second the the Nationals were ready to trade Juan Soto. They lost, right? But they had to trade him. It seemed like that, that he wasn't even going to be a guy that they were able to keep anymore. And, you know, for Gore, it's it's like a low-grade elbow strain. I, I don't think they're, like, extremely concerned about that. Uh, I think he should be fine. Uh, he proved to be able to, to pitch pretty darn well at the big league level. But, again, like, when you're getting Hassel, Gore, and then Wood, who John Heyman said was a big, big sticking point in these conversations because – the Padres really like him and the Nationals very much wanted him. If if the Nationals could have done better, they would have. I, I, you know, you are dangling the most valuable trade chip to have really ever hit the open market. Everybody's putting in their best offers. That was the best offer. And at the end of the day, you got to take it. And I think it was a pretty damn good haul. I, again, we've never seen anything like that. I'll take a lot of money on Robert Hassel being a decent big leaguer. I'd take a lot of money on CJ Abrams being a decent big leaguer. And I'd put a lot of money on Mackenzie Gore being a decent big league starter. You get three big leaguers in a trade. That's usually pretty damn good. And whatever James Wood can be is, is really exciting. That's your flyer. And then again, we'll see what they do with Luke Voigt. I mean, he's a big power bat. If he can get going, maybe they trade him next deadline. Maybe they trade him in the off season. We'll see what they get for him. And Susana's no slouch either. I think they did the best they could. And that that's all you can really do. There's only so many teams that are even 
capable of putting a package together like this. That's fair. I guess also with Gore, I mean, he finished or he didn't finish because he's probably going to pitch again this season, I guess, for the Nationals. But he had a 4-5-0 ERA. He wasn't carving through the major leagues in his first, you know, cup of coffee in the bigs. But I'm also not going to judge him on that. I do also think that he could be a really good starter in this league. I guess I'm just more worried about him long term, especially going over to Washington. Um, And, you know, I like Abrams a lot. That's clear. I like Hassel a lot. That's clear. I just think James Wood could be amazing or could flounder. I don't know much about the young kid that they got. And then Luke Voigt, I feel like, is not going to be a difference maker. I look at a team like the Cardinals even not giving up Jordan Walker. You know, if they were to include Mason Wynn, Dylan Carlson, Matthew Liberator, Nolan Gorman, I almost, I don't know. And maybe then another piece on top of that. I don't know if that trade is is better than what the Padres could have given them. But a lot of people are high on the Padres prospects, too. Well, and the thing, too, though, is the reports were that the Cardinals were not willing to part with Carlson and the top prospects. So I thought it was just Jordan Walker that they were not willing was, to part with. It was Carlson and the top. It was one or the other. Ah. So it was like you're getting you're getting Walker. And you're not getting Carlson or you're getting Carlson and you're not getting Walker. And that was where they wouldn't budge. And that's why he is a Padre. So, yeah, I, I think if they would have offered that, maybe we would have saw something different. But ultimately, the Cardinals, as we've talked about now for like a year, just won't part with their guys, man. If they won't do it for Juan Soto, I don't think they would do it for anybody on earth. But at least they got close and they considered it. They did make some smaller moves, though. And they go out and get Jose Quintana, which we talked about at the end of the episode. It happened literally as we recorded uh, at the end of yesterday's episode. But then they went and got your boy Jamon, and Jamon struggled, but he's a really good pitcher. You've said that for a while. I agree with you. And and the more you know, I've continued to watch this guy. He's steady Eddie. It's that's why it's a little bit surprising that he struggled a bit as of late. I mean, you you can talk about this more. The floor is yours. But I think the Cardinals are getting a pretty good middle of the rotation starter here when he's right. So here's the reaction from Twitter. And sometimes, you know, Twitter is Twitter at the end of the day, but you can hear raw fans emotion. And I think for both sides, this sentiment will make you feel good about who you're getting. Yankee Twitter is very upset of trading Jordan Monk. Oh, that's good. Cardinals Twitter is very upset about trading Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader clearly will now slot in as the best defensive outfielder that the Yankees have outside of Jose Trevino, probably the best defender on their roster. He is that good in center field. When we say gold glove caliber, just gold glove level, one of the best defensive center fielders and will be in an average bat. And I do think that he'll be back in time for October because I've heard middle of September, late September is when he's supposed to be back. He's really there for October. Now, who are the Cardinals getting? Just like you said, steady Eddie. Almost what you kind of hope Matthew Liberator will be. Yep, exactly. Matthew Liberator, you'd hope he's becoming. Or Steven Matz. Or Steven Matz, but more than likely Liberator will be a Jordan Montgomery type. What's a Jordan Montgomery type? Five, six innings a 3-7 ERA, and a guy who you can consistently rely on to not blow up. That's what Jordan Montgomery gives you. In a great, on a great team, 
he's probably a four. On a good team, he's a three. He can throw in the playoffs for you. He's going to be better than a good amount of the arms that they have currently. He gives them a steady presence that the Cardinals really do need. So on both sides, I like the deal, even though both sides are reluctant to give up those players. And that's a perfect indication of how each player means to their fan base. A hundred percent, dude. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, this was a trade that they again don't tap into their prospects, which is just funny. Um, But this was a much needed piece for them. I mean, uh, you can't feel good about some of the guys that they were rolling out there. And especially with Matt's injury issues and just not being good when he's on the field, Libertor just not looking quite ready. Jamon is going to help them kind of get across the finish line and hopefully make the playoffs. 369 ERA, 391 FIP. Last year, 383 ERA, 369 FIP. I mean, that's what he gives you. He throws strikes, he doesn't yes. walk guys, and they needed that. My concern is this, Peter. They're going to get through the regular season just fine, I think. And Jaymont's going to be a big part of that. But you, again, can speak to this. Who do you trust in the postseason? I trust Wayno. I really do. I, I do trust Wayno in we the do. postseason. It's crazy. We still do. And like, I, that's it, the first name that comes to our mind. That's the he's unbelievable. fucking 40 year old Adam Wainwright is the first name I drop as who we trust out of this. Miles Michaelis is being great. Blinking. I'm not even blinking. No, that, that, that's I the do. guy. Yeah. He gets the ball game one, right? As he should. I mean, Michaelis has pitched better than he has this year, but it's still Adam Wainwright. He's still got what a low three ZRA. Michaelis is even under three. It's a very solid two right there. Then you add a guy like Jordan Montgomery and Steven Matz, and hopefully you can get Flaherty back in time for the playoff run. You know, Polanti has showed that he can at least give you valuable innings. Whether you want him starting a playoff game is another question. And then but Kitana. at least he could be a swing, t- swing man. And then, yeah, I was just, Jose Quintana as well. This is a rotation where nobody jumps out at you as the ace. But they filled the holes at least. But you don't have a day off. Yeah. Which right. they had some days off before. <laughs> we yeah. were watching some Jordan Hicks starts. I did I was that a game I went to with you? Like yes. we watched Jordan Hicks start. And I'm like, he's not yeah, a starter. He's not a starter. So I, it, yeah. it's just it's just one of those things. So I, I am I am really happy that they made those moves. Polante can now be more of that swing man, as you said, less responsibility there. I thought he was going to have to start like all the time. And uh, that doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. So better off there. Cardinals look a lot better. And one more pitcher, Dakota Hudson, who we talk about a lot in betting and you know, not gambling advice. Um, you'll probably hear me if he gets more starts this year. He is one of the major candidates in baseball for massive negative regression. I almost wish Colby was in the same room as you, like he was at the national when he was able to talk to Jack and go over the Red Sox stuff because Colby is the ultimate fade Dakota Dakota Hudson when you can. He just had a tough start against this Nationals team. Yeah, they had Bell and Soto. But if you look at the difference in ERA to XERA, you look at walk rates, you look at strikeout rates, Dakota Hudson is a guy who relies on a lot of soft contact. And lucky for him, he has the best defense ever behind him. But you put him on another team, and he's probably not a guy you want to trust. So the reason when I was going through all the starters and I didn't add him in is because, in my opinion... You don't want him throwing invaluable innings. Could he be good in, you know, a middle relief role? Could he take, could he 
of course, fill some innings for you guys in the regular season, definitely. But come playoff time, I, trust I do not want Dakota Hudson facing a Mets lineup, a Braves lineup, a Dodgers lineup. And you know what? A Brewers lineup, he could probably carve through. Yeah, the, the regular season numbers might be good, but we saw them in the playoffs last year, and there's really nobody in their lineup where I'm, ooh. I mean, Yelich has been good, and Adamas has been good, but Renfro hit some home runs against the Red Sox on his revenge tour, but like McCutcheon hits fourth. And I love McCutcheon, but it's Andrew McCutcheon at the end of the day. Like, just being honest here. I mean, yeah, am I no. off? No, not at all. And and I, dude, I fucking trust Palante more than I trust Hudson, I think, at this point, which is not even a bad take, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> uh, Cal Poly, Palante, I think. Is he a Cal Poly guy? He's, he's Southern California. No, he's uh, Irvine. Irvine, dude. Irvine. All guy. those California schools turn out so many dudes. Yeah. Dustin said he uh, saw him at Irvine. He was like, this dude's filthy. It, it's love philosophy at Irvine. There's, I think it was Irvine. There's so many schools that just churn out dudes, but Phillies, they're a team that's now looking a lot better, and they're going to make a push for the wild card as well. That they're staying afloat without Bryce Harper, and that was enough to inspire the always aggressive Dave Dombrowski to be aggressive. They trade their top catching prospect and one of their top overall prospects in Logan Ohapi. Probably would have been, it will be a top 100 guy in our update. For Brandon Marsh, that caught me off guard. I don't think anybody was expecting Marsh to be moved. Ultimately, he gets moved. The Angels get their catcher probably of the future and and a guy that's very close to big league ready. The Phillies get a guy that I think they're buying low on, 24 years old. I've long liked him as a prospect, really struggling offensively this year, but an elite defender with good speed. They don't need him to hit the crap out of the ball. He satisfies a really big need for them. And I think the offense will tick up just kind of getting out of LA. You talk about tough environments. Something's just going on over there. Just get him out of there. I think he's going to be better. Obviously short porch and right in Philadelphia as well. I'm relying on you for the Brandon Marsh because I just never saw a lot of in the, in the minor leagues from the small, you know, videos and a little bit like I saw a little bit of Brandon Marsh and thought oh he could be a pretty good big leaguer like it seems like he's got everything kind of figured out but then he really really struggled at the big league level to your point I do agree that maybe a change in scenery would help you know link it up with some of those hitters there in Philly but he also was linked up with some of those hitters in Los Angeles with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani maybe a change of scenery makes sense Or is he never going to be the player that we thought he would be? But to your point, you know, I'm trusting you on this. It's not like, of course, I'm trusting you on this. You've been insanely good. But I I just, at the big league level, I never fell in love with Brandon Marsh. Not yet. Not yet. It's been rough. But how about this? Nine outs above average in the outfield. Which so, they need so badly. Which they need so bad. So if all of them the outs above average. Yeah, just, they need all the out. He might get them back in the positives, right? So it, from that perspective, let's say I want your thoughts on this because we don't know what he's going to do offensively this year. I, I think he's going to get better again. He's 24 years old, but let's say he continues to hit roughly 240, 300, 360, and puts up a 90 WRC plus. But he plays that kind of defense. This is a net positive for the Phillies, or is it kind of meh? Net positive for the Phillies. I'm curious, though, because JT Romuto ages by the day, and he hasn't been the same JT Romuto that he has been. Did they give up too much it, in it this was, deal? It was surprising to see Ohapi go. I, I thought they would trade him maybe in a larger deal. Um, it, it's worth asking. Uh, 
Real Muto at least is showing some signs of life again and yeah. looks solid. But it is it is worth asking, right? He's a 31 year old catcher who's very dependent on his athleticism. And Ohapi's like their only guy back there. I think it's Dave Dombrowski. And he's like, we'll cross that bridge when we'll fucking get there because that's what he does. But no, I think that's a valid question, dude. Like that is a good catching prospect, a top 100 guy. His numbers have been phenomenal, but they satisfy a need. And that's what I looked up this Ohapi guy because I didn't know much about him either. And I was like, damn. Looks kind of good. Numbers like I'd good. seen video of him. I'd seen him before, but never really did a deep dive. And I'm like, man, he's hit at every level. And he seems to be a good defender. And maybe I'm a little bit more down on Brandon Marsh than you are. Uh, 269. Phillies are winning right now. So, but I guess for the Angels, I like to trade for them. Good for them, right? I mean, yeah. It's just with the questions around Mike Trout and his ability to play yes. center field long term, Joe Adele not performing. Uh, it is a really interesting spot for them. But again, I think they satisfy the catching role. The numbers talk about his performances here 269, 385, 492 in double A. He has 16 home runs in 80 games this year. That's really good production for a catcher. And he's, he's at least an average or better defender. It's a great get for the Angels, but again, the Phillies do improve in an area where they really needed to improve. One other spot where they needed to improve was pitching, and they go out and get Noah Syndergaard, who is not the Thor that he once was, but this is a guy that is still a good pitcher to add to your rotation, and you know you move him in there with Kyle Gibson. Who do you put first, Gibson or Syndergaard? Who's the three out of those two? I know it's very uninspiring. Um, I would maybe lean Gibson, but at least they get a guy here that slots in at the number four or number three, however you want to stack them up, and their rotation is a little bit more fortified. I didn't want Noah Syndergaard on my team. That's fair. Um, For what they gave up. Was Mickey Moniak? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Who clearly wasn't working in Philly. Yes, he has the pedigree of a number one overall pick, but it just, he hasn't really shown much. Not that they got him for free, because that's unfair to Mickey Moniak, because who knows, maybe he could find something in LA. So what they did was add a, a five starter in my mind. I mean, I just, from watching Noah Syndergaard this year, one thing about Noah Syndergaard is he cannot hold on a runner. I know no. that doesn't mean a lot, but the amount of stolen bases off this guy is incredible. I felt like the Phillies needed to add a Jose Quintana. Yeah. The Phillies needed to add a bigger time starter than Noah Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard doesn't move the needle for me. Noah Syndergaard doesn't give me more confidence in the Phillies starting rotation than almost adding nobody. And I know that's again unfair. Because Noah Syndergaard will give you better innings than maybe some other guys have. Even the Ranger Suarez has looked better lately. But still, I don't look at Noah Syndergaard and think, okay, now I have confidence in the Phillies rotation. I don't. No, but, you know, it does give them some important depth there. Um, Helps in that. And again, you you talk about they didn't give up. Much. Exactly. So it's not a bad trade. No. And it's good for the the Angels who need a center fielder. And Moniak has been hitting in AAA for what it's worth. 277, 341, 518 with five homers in 20 good. games. You know, so a flyer there 
for a guy that they were going to lose in free agency anyways in Syndergaard. I doubt they would have brought him back. Um, and Syndergaard can try to help this team, you know, go across the finish line here. One last move for the Phillies. They go out and get David Robertson. I liked this one. This could end up being the move that makes the most impact for them. Yes. A guy that was closing games for the Cubs seems to really found what he used to have uh, and the volatility of the reliever position is, is funny, but much needed reliever help. They seem to have satisfied every need, nothing crazy, sexy, but they're better than they were yesterday. 2.23 ERA for the Cubs in high leverage innings. He immediately becomes the best bullpen arm that the Phillies have. And I think he's going to be closing games for them. They DFA Jerry's familia as a result, which is probably a plus for them considering how he's performed this year. David Robertson was the best move I think the Phillies made, even though they add a guy like Brandon Marsh, even though they add a guy like Noah Syndergaard, getting David Robertson was a very key move for them. Yep. But overall with the Phillies, I don't think it was enough to be more than the third wild card, hopefully. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think it's really all dependent on Bryce Harper, right? I mean, it's yes. really when does this man get back and how does he look when he's back? Uh, but I think this was exactly what the Phillies should have done, which was cautiously add, don't trade your two blue chippers because ultimately, let's say Bryce Harper has a setback or doesn't come back in time. And now you traded Andrew Painter or Mick Abel. That's going to look really bad. So yeah. props on Dave Dombrowski for restraining himself. Uh, that was That's a rarity. Only traded one top 100 guy at this deadline. And AJ they got better Preller. and they're giving themselves a shot. AJ Preller just said, Dave Dombrowski, you're too old, man. It's yeah, you're washed. That's my time. You're washed, Dave. Like the old Dave would have traded the entire farm. He probably would have got Juan Soto within the division. He said, "Who do you Somehow. want? Name him." Somehow, that's why it's like the Nationals probably could have gotten the entire Phillies roster if Dave Dombrowski was in the heyday of the Dave Dombrowski era. Yeah, but he, he's weak now. All, yeah, no, he's definitely not weak. But to your point about Dombrowski, he didn't leverage the farm, um, and it's not a great farm either. But he still didn't. And the Phillies are better than what they were two days ago. And I think that's important. They that's are the better than thing. what they were. That's the most important. And then they've got a shot. They've got a shot. They have a shot. You speak of Preller, one last Preller move. They go get Brandon Drury for, you know, what was a, a lottery ticket in Victor Acosta, $1.8 million international free agent, uh, big time upside, but obviously very, very, very far away. Hasn't played above the complex. Drury is a guy that has hit really well, a great American, but has been good away, like a 118, 119 WRC plus away, important infield depth. We've talked about the ability to play multiple positions. This is a guy that I think can really be what they were hoping Adam Frazier was going to be for them last year. Uh, just a good move, low cost for them ultimately. Good move overall. I think good for both sides. You get kind of not a lottery ticket again. I keep using that word, but just like a guy who's far off, who has a lot of talent in that player going over to the Cincinnati Reds, but then the Padres get a guy like Brandon Drury, give them a ton of positional versatility, can play all around the infield, and then you can even put him in a corner if you need him there. Overall, Brandon Drury goes from the best hitting park to one of the best pitchers park in Petco, but you're not relying on Brandon Drury to hit second like you were in Cincinnati. If Brandon Drury can give you good production from the seven hole, you're it's it's flowers. It's gravy. I, the Padres did great there. They didn't trade a big time prospect for him. You know, you get Brandon Drury, who's going to be solid. He's not going to 
light up slam Diego, but I'm sure Don Orsillo will be using that phrase a couple of times down the stretch for Brandon Jury, who is a solid player. Definitely a solid player. And and again, kind of just fills in the lineup and gives you depth and maybe a bench bat in the playoffs, depending on how you want to, you know, stack up your lineup. Red Sox get Eric Hosmer. Very funny. Um, uh, we, we make fun of Heim Bloom. We did on, uh, you know, a couple episodes ago. Uh, the Red Sox, you know, they don't really sell other than Christian Vasquez. I like the return that they got there. And they add Tommy Pham, who we, we, you talked about it, makes their outfield better on the live stream. It, it does. Um, and Eric Hosmer makes them better at first base, given that yeah. they were getting no offensive production and legitimately bad first base defense, which is hard to do. So the Red Sox are slightly better. Uh, they're not fully out of the race. They traded, you know, or they also acquired Corey Rozier and Max Ferguson, two burners. Ferguson has over 40 stolen bases. They part with Jay Groom, their former first round pick, who has just not really panned out. Um, it, it's kind of whatever. Um, it's surprising. Uh, Hosmer doesn't move the needle for them, but you know what? He gets out of San Diego. We've been waiting for them to kind of move him and what, what that would look like. And they finally move him. The Red Sox are better than they were two days ago. But at the same time, you guys talked about it. You signed Trevor Story. And then you didn't really capitalize on anything else. You know, the sale extension is still sitting there. I'm, again, looking for a direction for the Red Sox. Maybe they just think they can compete with the team now once they get healthy. You know, I wouldn't put it past them either. They could go on a crazy run. They could. I mean, you wouldn't. I mean, if J.D. Martinez gets a little bit healthier and he starts hitting like he was, you know, Bogarts and Devers. Devers has been thing. out. Yeah. Verdugo, you know, I mean, he. I don't think he's going to continue to be as bad, bad as he's been because he's a better player than that. Evaldi's back. Evaldi's back. You know, when Sale comes back healthy, you know, Whitlock continuing to shut it down back there. Maybe Pavetta finds a second wind. You know, they have a lot of things going in their direction. But, you know, Christian Vasquez losing him doesn't help, especially the catching position. Now they're very weak there. Christian Vasquez was hitting third for them, second sometimes for a reason in this lineup because he's one of their better bats. But the Red Sox are better than they were two days ago, but not much better. And it's hard to think, oh, yeah, the Red Sox after this deadline are a playoff contender. It's hard. But I'm, again, not counting the Red Sox out because they've earned it at this point. We learned the hard way last year. They've had some red hot stretches this year. Really, the best additions that they can make is is health additions within their own team. And, you know, they they satisfied some smaller some smaller holes. They did subtract a catcher. They did get a good prospect return there. Uh, but ultimately, it's going to be interesting to see you know, how things go for them the rest of the way. One interesting other move, Whit Merrifield. Blue Jays acquire him. Um, you know, Whit is not what he once was. The, the, the Royals really fumbled the bag by not trading him two years ago or even a year and a half ago when they could have got multiple top 100 prospects. When he was playing at his peak with control and positional versatility and stealing bags, they could have got a haul. They turned down some good offers. They still get two decent prospects, Max Castillo, who was thrown pretty well at the big league level, and Samad Taylor, who's put up some good numbers as an outfielder or infield slash outfielder at the AAA level. A far cry from what they could have got a year and a half ago, but the Royals do get a little bit. And the Blue Jays get a veteran bat 
defensively versatile, good speed. I know he's not what he once was. I know you don't love him, but I think this is a good low-cost acquisition for a team that already has a lot of power, kind of balances out the lineup a little bit. I don't love him, but I kind of like him on the Blue Jays. I feel like it was a very good fit there. You know, he does a lot of stuff that the Blue Jays could use right now. The big story is the Blue Jays needed a left-handed bat, but you were talking in the live stream. I think that's a bit overblown. The Blue Jays' offense is so freaking good. Like, against righties, you know, maybe they could have used a left-handed bat, but whatever. Their lineup is so loaded. At the end of the day, you know, like the Mets have more struggles against lefties than the Blue Jays were having struggles against righties. The Blue Jays still have one of the best offenses in the sport. You had a guy like Whit Merrifield. Maybe he finds another gear there with Toronto. But on the same side, the Royals did well there too. While they didn't capitalize at the right moment, they didn't get fleeced. They got two pretty solid prospects, more than I actually would have thought for Whit Merrifield. But at the same time, I like what the Blue Jays did. So... I think it was kind of a win-win. I like the deal for both sides. I think Witt's going to be good for the Blue Jays, and I think the Royals actually did better than I thought they would. Yeah, no, I I agree with all of those, all of the above. Uh, Samad Taylor, 24 years old. Corona, California guy, by the way. Um, Got a Corona. 23 bags, nine homers, putting up numbers in AAA. And again, Castillo's been pretty good at the big league level. Miguel Vargas gets called up as Justin Turner hits the IL. We thought that Miguel Vargas, third-base prospect with the Dodgers, might get traded. Ultimately, he stays with the Dodgers, and now he's making his big league debut. I love Vargas. Very excited to see what he's going to do there. Plus hit tool, above average power, can play third, can play first, can play even corner outfield if you need him to, second base even. Really good piece. That's another guy that I think internal upgrade, possibly uh, another really good option in a really good system. Dodgers continue to look good. Are there any moves we missed? Of course. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I swear to God, I actually totally forgot. I was almost waiting for you to bring it up in just a depressed (laughs) date. But I think that's the most beautiful part about it, Arm. I swear to God, that was an accident. That that in itself. The power of the subconscious is is the deadline move for the Miami Marlins. Okay, but can I first? Can I first, before you rant, I came out and said it was a lose-lose. <laughs> yeah. And the reason I said it was a lose-lose was more to fire up social media. And I tagged you because I wanted you to interact correct, with it. And correct. Like, I gave you what you wanted. Yes. I, I gave you I what got, you wanted, yes, asshole. exactly what happened. I actually wish you would have gotten more on me. You just said, how is this a lose-lose? <laughs> and we're going to talk about it. I wish you went harder, but that is what it is. The I can't be why, mean to you, though. I yeah, the reason that. why I said it was a lose-lose was because... I'm not the biggest fan of Jordan Groshans, but I do feel that the Blue Jays really needed a big time starter. So packaging Groshans maybe with a Ricky Tiedemann could have gotten them Montes, could have gotten them Luis Castillo. So that was the only reason because they did add Anthony Bass and Zach Pop. Zach Pop's actually Canadian, you know, and Anthony Bass has been really good there He's for the Marlins. He's actually Canadian. Yeah, he's Canadian, which is kind of cool. That's, I mean, I, he, what do you think about Zach Pop? Like Zach Pop is what a fifth he's a real five pick. Yeah, like he could be pretty good, but the big get here is Anthony Bass, and he's been dynamite this year. I he it. has been dynamite. I just. I don't want Blue Jays fans thinking that they just got another Jordan Romano. No. And more like they got another Tim Meza, who's been good for them. You know, yeah. maybe an Adam Simber. That's a guy that you got Anthony Simber. Bass. 
Simber. Yeah, Simber. Like a good, a good reliever. But I just felt that Jordan Groshans, and you know, I'm gonna hand it like over him. to you. Like, I'm not his biggest fan. So I guess the Blue Jays did well there. The only reason I said lose, lose in one part was to fire you up. In the yes. second part, I felt that the Blue Jays' biggest need was starting pitching. They could have used Groshans in a bigger deal to get one of those big arms. No, I definitely agree with that. You know, I was surprised that they ended up parting with the Groshans in, in a deal where you're just getting two relievers, but maybe that's because the league feels the same way we do, which is that Groshans is not the prospect he once was. What I will say, though, is he's 22 years old and in AAA, put up good numbers in double last year, so maybe they could have salvaged some value there. Ultimately, they part with him. I, I see where you're coming from there. I'm just not, I'm not going to get, I'm not, I can't be any meaner to you than that. Like, it, I, I just, just, it's, I can't do it. Like, that was, that was my meanest reply I could get it was just, how is this a lose lose? I get it. And it's frustrating. And it's, if, if that was one of several moves they made, I'm cool with it. The Marlins need bats and they need higher end hit tool guys, which is like, they keep going for the swing and miss power guys and they can't develop them. So try something different. I'm cool with that. Again, he's 22 in AAA, but this guy has no power. I think he's got like six extra base hits in the whole year. Um, he's just not that good. He's not sticking at shortstop. He's moving to third, but doesn't have power there. So maybe he moves to set. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. And that's the only move they made at the deadline was to trade two relievers for Jordan Groshans. That That's it. That's literally it. So it's frustrating. I subconsciously forgot about it. So that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Um, I literally was ready to end the episode. Um, So we'll we'll just, that's all I really got. I I don't even know what their plan is. Okay, because they didn't trade Pablo Lopez. They didn't trade Jesus Aguilar. I need you to go off more. It's incredibly entertaining. It's incredibly entertaining. And I know all your Marlins fans need more from you. I also want to touch on the Montes deal to end it because I mean, yeah, yeah they just made Yankees that big guy, deal. Absolutely. We're also going to talk winners and losers. We're going to do yeah, full we'll trade do grades. Like we ain't done talking about these deals. So make sure that you're subscribed to the just baseball show. If you're watching this on YouTube, stay tuned. We're going to do much more trade deadline coverage. You know, we do an hour and we're probably even doing more than an hour on this episode every single day. So we're going to be spacing it out. Give some of these deals time to digest, really dive deeper into the prospect packages give you some grades, then do overall winners and losers when we're all together on Friday. It's going to be an awesome week here at the Just Baseball Show, but I need to hear a rant from you. I need to. And Marlins fans need to hear because who else are they going to go to right now? They need to hear from the guy himself, Arm. So, you know, (laughs) Jesus Aguilar is in the line today. Garrett Cooper is still on the Marlins. Um Joey Wendell is still on the Marlins. Stephen O'Curt is still on the Marlins. And Miguel Rojas is still on the Marlins. Brian Anderson is still on the Marlins. All these guys are not good, uh, but they could have been traded. Uh, several of them could have got decent returns. They ultimately hold on to everybody. Pablo was the one guy. I'm like, okay, if, if you don't get the right offer, hold on to him. But you better trade everybody else. You better do what you can to get whatever you can back for some of these guys. And all they do is package a Rule 5 guy and a guy that, you know, has been an emergent reliever for them for a prospect with no impact. And I just don't understand what their plan is. Like what, what is your goal to get a center fielder? All we were hearing about is, Oh, they're going to go get a center fielder. That's their plan. They really, that's what they're asking for from everybody. Then they don't do it. What are you going to do with Garrett Cooper? The guy is a lug. He can hit, but he is a lug. 
and you could have got something for him. The Dodgers have called for two straight years on him. You don't trade him. And the guy can't stay healthy. So now you're going to count on him to be your best hitter moving forward. Again, Jesus Aguilar, what does that man do for you? You have two of the same people there, and Cooper's just a better hitter. I just don't see the direction. I don't see the plan. They don't have a shortstop for next year. Miguel Rojas is not their long-term shortstop. They still don't have a freaking center fielder. I can promise you that. They're stuck with Avi Garcia for four more fucking years. Jorge Soler has a player option next year, which guess what, Peter? He's opting into that shit. He's opting in. Why would you give Jorge Soler a LeBron deal? He's got an opt. He's got a player option next year too. The guy's never leaving. He's going to suck for two straight years and never opt out. Like he's holding the Marlins hostage. Avi Garcia is holding the Marlins hostage and they're just sitting there doing nothing. I think the only way that they could have really made a major change was trading Lopez. They didn't need to do it now. Very interested to see what they do this offseason because guess what? The only guy in the center field market is Brandon Nimmo. And I highly doubt they're going to pay Brandon Nimmo. He'd probably end up staying in New York or someone else would pay him more money. Who's the center fielder for the Marlins next year, Peter? You know, I've heard it's you. <laughs> I am getting the hip repair. You know, I weeks. saw you in the meds league. Yeah. And you can track a fly ball better than Jesus Sanchez is currently. <laughs> Did that feel good at least? Or are you still unhappy? Feel that feel at least good. It does like when you, that kind of stuff happens to me. I need to just let it out. Whether oh. anything changes or not, just let it out. And they drafted Jacob fucking Barry. And then I hated that pick. That too. That was the worst pick of the draft. That's like, up there. I they there was so many whatever. Brooks Lee. Brooks Lee. Kevin Prada. I mean, I we could go down the line. But and they won't, and and by the way, they promoted Victor Victor Mesa. They promote promoted um <laughs> Ray Patrick Ditter to triple A um, and Paul McIntosh and Griffin Conine sitting double A. Hey, there's just so much. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a mess. It's a mess. Um, I'm a Cardinals oh, fan now. I'm a Cardinals, You're a Cardinals fan. fan. Yes. But my girlfriend, fans- my wonderful girlfriend, Ellie is a Cardinals fan and they are fun and it's Pujols' last year. And I'm just going to ride. I'm just going to be a Pujol stand the rest of the year. What about your Mariners? Fun differential. Yes, that them too. Them too. That's that's, I got league. my team from me. I got my team from each league. I like where it. I can just try my best to pretend I care. And Darren Ruff's a fucking Met, by the way. They trade Darren my Ruff's one favorite player to a division rival. It, 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 it's, it's, that's it's, a deal we forgot about. So Mets fans, you got Darren Ruff. You got Darren Ruff. That's what you needed. Love Lefty that Asher. deal. Lefty, Lefty masher. You could look at the stats this year and say, uh, overall, like, who is this? You know, I feel like we might have given up a lot for him. You know, we didn't do much at the deadline, but you already know you have one of the best teams in baseball. You just add Jacob DeGrom back into the fold. Rotation looks great. You had Michael Givens, who's an underrated reliever for the Cubs. He could at least give you kind of what, I think Ottavino is giving you right now. Like Michael Givens is that good of a reliever. On the same side, Darren Ruff solves an issue that you've had all season, hitting left-handers. He's been the ultimate platoon for the Giants, and you know that the Giants are that smart team that knows how to platoon. You bring Darren Ruff in for pinch hit at-bats, always hits that home run. You're going to love Darren Ruff on your team. Now the vocal back deal makes sense. Now you just added a bunch of mashers on your bench. 
the depth there on offense is so much better. The bullpen has been shored up. You didn't get David Robertson, but it's not like you did nothing. You got Michael Givens. And I know Mets fans are a greedy bunch. You wanted to do a lot more, but I'm looking at the deadline compared to every other team and I'm calling it a win. You didn't get Wilson Contreras. Okay. But you got two months Javier Baez for Pico Armstrong, who's now in the Cubs, who looks very good. You don't want to make that mistake again. I think they did a very good job here. I know Javi Baez was great for the Mets, but in that type of deal, you, you'd rather not do that no, they, over the long run. And will that trade for Darren Ruff probably be better for the Giants in the long run? Yeah, probably, but who cares? It's not yeah. like it's going to burn you because none of those guys are like a Pete Crow Armstrong. Those are, you hope they turn into David Peterson. Totally. Overall, the Mets did well, addressed a need, and we're both big fans of Darren Ruff. You put him in the bright spots, he's going to deliver. I'm a big fan of Darren Ruff, and so are you. Yeah, I have my Darren Ruff shirt. Uh, I should have wore it today. He's a, he's a beast. Actually, referencing Ellie again, she actually took it. I got to go get it back. Uh, but Darren Ruff is is a lot of fun. I, I think he's going to fit that role perfectly, like you said. Uh, and speaking of greedy fans, the floor is yours, Yankee fan, for Frankie Montes. Congratulations. Yeah, Yankee fans. I think they did better than every single contender not named the Padres. That's I really very do. very fair. I think that's very fair. I think, you know, adding Frankie Montes, who'd you give up in the deal? You gave up Ken Waldachuk. Kind of hurts. I think he could end you up. You knew being, you were going to give up something. You had to give up something. And Ken Waldachuk, I think, could be a little bit better than Jordan Montgomery when it's all said and done. Yep. And Frankie Montes is better than Jordan Montgomery. And that's clear. That's why they traded him. I know you're probably upset about trading Jordan Montgomery, but think about it like this. Not that long ago, you were very upset with Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> And the Yankees, it's clear they were not going to put him as game three of the World Series, game three of the ALCS. He's not that good. Jamison Tyon, at least lately, has looked as good as a Jordan Montgomery. You have so much starting pitching depth. This is clear that they believe in a guy like Clark Schmidt. Also, you have Domingo Herman, who I really dislike. I'll say that right now. Yeah, yeah, he's nah, had a decent screw start that last guy. outing. Screw that guy. That's fair. At least he had a fine outing. Whatever. I hope he's not on the Which, Yankees. I hope he gets DFA'd soon. Odubo DFA'd, by the way. Love that. So. Yeah, good. More dudes who are just terrible people yeah. getting them out of baseball. Domingo Herman, not the biggest fan. I'd rather have Clark Schmidt give the innings. And since Clark Schmidt's been called up, he's been much better. Good. Jordan Montgomery, I'm totally fine giving up. I'm a Yankee fan. I'm telling you, I'm totally fine giving up Jordan Montgomery. I think Harrison Bader was a great addition. Also, because you're going to have Bader for next year, too. Very good bridge to potentially a Jason Dominguez. Or he can help Florial in the outfield, too. Or Pereira. The Yankees' farm system is great right now. You kept all these different pieces. You got Frankie Montas and Lou Trevino. You're going to look at his stats and say, who is this guy? But look at the pedigree of what he's been able to deliver. You take him out where Oakland doesn't even seem to give a shit. Now you put him with the Yankees. It seems like Matt Blake, the pitching coach, has really been able to turn around this entire staff. I feel like they're going to give him a little bit of an edge, get him back to what he looked like. And what he did look like was a closer and a good one at that. The Yankees really made out well during the deadline. They didn't give up Peraza. They didn't give up Dominguez. They didn't give up Volpe. And now you were questions were being asked. Are you better than the Astros? Well, you were worse than the Astros going into this. And the Astros still added a guy like Trey Mancini. They still added a guy like Christian Vasquez. And they're going to add Lance McCullers Jr. But right now, in my opinion, it's Game 7, ALCS, Yankees-Astros. 
and the Yankees might be favored. That's what it is. And the Yankees are right there. That's what Cashman needed to do. And he did it. Did they get Pablo Lopez? Did they get Carlos Rodon? No. And that's one thing I want to end on too, because that trade of Jordan Montgomery did feel like, all right, Yankees are getting Rodon or Pablo Lopez now. But something fell through. The Giants kept Rodon. They kept Jock Peterson, didn't trade. And the Yankees didn't trade for one of those, at least Pablo Lopez. I wonder, and we're probably going to hear about what happened. We will. We will. And we'll cover it. But I guess just, do you have any feelings? Do you have any gut feelings of maybe what happened? I think, you know, I I think it was a trade that the – the Yankees were okay with making regardless, right? Like, okay, if the Pablo Lopez trade doesn't get through at the deadline or, you know, right at the buzzer, we still are happy with the Bader for Montgomery swap. But I think it was made with the thought in mind of, Ooh, we might, we might also be adding Pablo. It seemed like it was down to the goal line. Um, but the Marlins asking price was a little too steep. And we've seen Brian Cashman's discipline. He doesn't just deplete the farm. And I think the Marlins asking price might've been a bit too steep. That seemed to be the trend. The Dodgers thought it was too steep. The Yankees thought it was too steep. That was something the Marlins were within their right to do, given that Pablo Lopez does not need to be traded. Uh, That's why I would have loved to have seen them trade everybody else. Uh, Lopez was the one guy you didn't need to trade. I think it was close. I bet you there was a sticking point on one player. And I'm interested to see if if our guy, Craig Mish, I'm sure he will, will reveal kind of what the details were of that trade and what the sticking points were, because clearly there was one piece or something that just couldn't quite get it across the finish line between the Yankees and the Marlins. And I'm excited to see it. If the Yankees got Pablo, yeah, we're talking about probably being better than the Astros, but if they had to give up some essential pieces to do so, then, you know, maybe it wasn't worth it for the Yanks. Yanks preserved their system pretty well. They preserved yeah, they really their blue did. chippers while adding a bunch of impact guys. They did a great job. I agree. Other than the Padres, they probably had the second best, uh, you know, deadline stretch here. Astros not far off either. We're going to have a really, really fun postseason. A lot of teams got better. It's a lot of parody. Very excited for these expanded playoffs with a lot more teams that have kind of gotten themselves going. Screw you, Guardians, but everybody else, thank you for getting better and making the game a little bit more exciting across the board. And we're going to go over all these different teams, too, when we talk about winners and losers, when we talk about trade grades. So if we didn't talk about your team, don't worry. We will. And if you didn't do enough, you're going to hear it. And if you did a lot, you're definitely going to hear our praise, too. And we're going to go through each trade, more collab on it really get down into the gritty and really see what we thought about each individual trade. So stay tuned for the rest of the episodes on the Just Baseball Show. I'm so happy to be back. I've been moving into my new apartment. I finally got Wi-Fi set up. My Wi-Fi name is is Just Baseball. I'm not going to tell you the password, but it is a Yankee. And I'm very excited. Yes, it's Clark Schmidt 69420. That's the password. (laughs) Um, But we're back and it feels good to be home back in New York City. I just missed talking about the early deadline with you and Jack, but you guys killed it too. Went over all the deals. Was there any other moves that we might've missed? Because I'm going through the Just Baseball Tracker who our guys did a phenomenal job with. And I feel like we pretty much covered anybody. I mean, the Mariners added a guy like Jake Lamb and yeah, Kirk Casale, which I do like for them. I but. do. Oh, Kirk Casale is an underrated addition, uh, but you know, I, 
that, yeah, well, <laughs> there's, there's only so much we could talk about there, but yeah, they didn't need like, a catcher behind Cal Rally. He helps, uh, and he's a vet. So, and the Brewers got Trevor Rosenthal, which, yeah, which I exciting. forgot he was around, um, but he's good when he's, when he's healthy and, and right. But, uh, yeah, not, not, not too much, not too much else. I think we got most of it, and I'm excited tomorrow's episode. We can kind of fill in any other gaps, and I'm sure there'll be some more rumors coming out of like what almost happened, what, you know, what certain teams did or didn't do, and uh, fill in whatever we may have missed on tomorrow's episode. But that's it for me. Check out just baseball.com. We're going to have so much wrapping up the entire deadline. I'm going to be breaking down all the prospect returns. We're going to be breaking down basically everything that's happened. Uh, I'm going to rank every prospect that was dealt, which will be really fun. Um, That's going to take a little bit, but I'm really excited to do that. Uh, We got to make sure we get every single prospect that was dealt. A lot of really good ones obviously moved, but that's it for me, Peter. Anything from you? Use code just baseball. If you're interested in getting prize picks, um, I'll be back with my MLB best bets. It's the only reason I haven't been giving out picks the past few days. Had to set up Wi-Fi, couldn't write the article, couldn't do my full in-depth research on the hotspot, unfortunately. Um, and then we, um, you know, not gambling advice. Every day, daily MLB best bets on that podcast. Arm's going to be covering all the prospect details on the call-up. We still have the state of the division, which is every single division in 15 minutes, six days a week. That has its own YouTube page. You should go check that out. But also, that podcast is available everywhere. Um, you should join our chalkboard. Of course, we're talking baseball in there. Um, I'm excited to do our uh, our break on whatnot. Yeah, um, and there's a free ten dollar gift card for your first purchase on whatnot. But if you don't want to buy any baseball cards, I mean, I do, and Arm does. But <laughs> if do. you don't want to, it's fine. You can just come watch the break. It's a ton of fun. We're going to be talking cards. I'm probably going to be buying stuff. I already bought a slot. Yeah, you can um, see if we pull anything. <laughs> it's going to be fun. We're due. We're due for a banger card. I think. We're due for a banger card. And I guess with that, thank you, everybody.